Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. seated, those of you who are here in the in-person experience, why don't you catch someone's eye, give them an elbow bump. If you're a kid in the house, there's a kid's box in the back. If you're watching online, we are so glad that you're here to join us at Refuge, and we would love for you to drop in the comments of whatever medium you're watching, where you're watching from, and how it is that you found us, because we are so grateful for the ways that the doors of Refuge have flung wide open to include a whole bunch of people who watch online on a weekly basis and we're super excited that you're with us. Uh, you probably received word from us. It's obviously a different kind of a day because we're inside, which seems weird in the world that we're in right now. But it's also a good thing because we have a place to meet outside. It literally is the 100-acre wood where Winnie the Pooh lives. It is blustery. It's windy. When we began to set up this morning, we knew that we couldn't have it because the, the tent was a shaken. And you know what happens when the tent is a shaken you can't have church outside because that's when like speakers fall, TVs fall, people feel unsafe, they're watching the banner, they're not paying attention to anything. So we decided to move things inside. And so we're grateful that you're here with us, those of you here in person and those of you who are watching online. If you want information about Refuge, we say this each week, the easiest way to connect with us is to head to our weekly, which is refugeoc.com forward slash weekly. There'll be some links dropped into the online feeds for those of you who are watching online. There might even be a QR code behind me for those of you who are here. You can always find information about life at Refuge. It's also a way to connect with us through your giving. We are grateful for your trust in us as a local church as we extend God's blessing to our city, our county, and beyond but we would love to have you and invite you to participate through your giving. And the easiest and safest way to give these days is through our online giving app called Tidely. And so there's some information on the screen, even some links that will be dropped in to those online forums. Speaking of online forums, you may not have heard this. We're kind of doing a little bit of a slow progression of getting the word out, but there is a new online viewing experience. So perhaps you're watching on Facebook, perhaps you're watching on YouTube. Everybody does that. But not everybody goes to our new church online platform at live.refugeoc.com. It is a new online viewing experience that was created by a church for churches worldwide. It's a new opportunity to connect with us and watch. And, and probably even if you don't have a social media account, you're like, I don't do the YouTube thing. I don't do the Facebook thing. This is just a web-based viewing experience that is super easy super user-friendly, and we hope that you can take advantage of it. But again, find more information online about Life at Refuge. We're grateful that you're here, and more updates to come as we begin to get a sense that life and church life will begin to reemerge much like we used to, and so we're excited about that. Thinking about a year ago, we had just moved into this place, this building here at 308 South LaSalle. We still stand in awe of how kind God was to us at just the right time, gave us a facility to meet in. If you're here in, in person, I encourage you to walk outside when you leave, not right now, when you leave and walk down the sidewalk here out on the Palmyra side of the building, you'll notice the new bright orange awnings because a few weeks ago, one of those hailstorms that kind of hit us here in California, it's crazy when the weather gets like that. You're like, oh my gosh, where'd the hail come from? 
and it kind of ripped one of our awnings. And we're like, ah, we've got to fix it. What are we going to do? And we're like, if we're going to fix it, let's fix both of them. And if we're going to fix both of them, let's change the color and let's make it orange. Let's make it pop to remind people that we're not in the city of Apple. We're in the city of orange, all right? That's what we're doing. So you'll notice that outside. We're just trying to do our best to care for a facility that has for decades been a place to meet with God. If the name Sister A means anything to you, she is the original pastor's wife. Pastor Mark, who, Mark Armstrong, who pastored here for decades, she periodically, every week, will come by, drive by, and just wave because she wants to see what's happening. She noticed the awnings were down, and she's like, I want to make sure I can help put the new awnings up. And we're like, we, we can't, we don't, we're not going to put you on a ladder. What are, what are you talking about? No, no, she's like, I just want to help make it happen. And we're like, we're, we are so grateful for your kindness and your generosity. So you're seeing things that are happening around refuge here at this location because we want to care for this facility. Uh, speaking of online experience, I'm not sure if you've ever done this before. If you have ever Facebook stalked someone, those of you on the Facebooks, you know how this works. If you want to find more information about someone, you go to their Facebook profile before you ever want to have a first-time conversation with them. You're like, let's figure, figure out what this person is really about. Sometimes people will post things on Facebook that surprise you. They're like relationship changes. You're like, whoa, I didn't even know they were dating, and now they're not. Okay, but this week, on Thursday, I saw a new Facebook update on someone's profile, and it surprised me, so much so that I feel like it's worth mentioning here in church. So if I could have uh, Pastor Nikki come onto the stage real quick, uh, because she had the nerve to post a brand new Facebook status update that her family had moved to the city of Orange. So, fist bumps go around. Nikki, we love the fact that your family has been so dedicated to refuge for a long time, and now you are here. And on behalf of Refuge, we have some local orange things to have fun with inside that envelope. So just want to say welcome to the neighborhood, literally and figuratively. And now we have someone who can lock up if the building's open. So thanks a lot, Nikki. Thanks for moving your family here for the cause of Jesus Christ and Refuge. So... It's good to have you. Hey, if you have a Bible, whether it's a virtual one on your phone, tablet, computer, or a real one, I want you to turn to the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in a Bible that you'll come across. Turn to chapter 9. We're not going to go there just yet, but chapter 9 is the place that you want to find yourself. We are in the season of Lent. I give you Lent greetings. It's awkward to say Happy Lent. Uh, I don't know if that's the right greeting that you should give to people because sometimes in Lent, you're like, ah aren't we supposed to like wear sackcloth and ashes and we should be fasting? And so perhaps if you're fasting from something today, hopefully it's not coffee because we brought coffee back today. That's a good thing. But perhaps you are fasting, you're giving things up. This season of Lent is these 40 days that precede Easter. It began on Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. And if you like to really figure things out, you're like, hold on a second, let me count the days between Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, and Eastern. It doesn't add up to 40, Brenton. Why are you saying that? Well, because Sundays are off days. Sundays are celebration days, even in the, seri- in, the, in the season of Lent. But Lent is the lengthening of days in this preparation time period, getting ready for Easter. Because Easter deserves a season of its own if we consider the death and resurrection of Jesus to be anything worthwhile telling people about then we also want to make sure that we prepare our hearts for it. And so hopefully, my hope and my prayer is that for you, you are taking this season 
and intentionally having opportunities to commune with God differently than you do the rest of the year. Perhaps do something different. Make walks a little bit more part of your, t- your time where you can walk and experience God. In nature, outside. Perhaps you want to read a little bit more. Perhaps you want to even give yourself a few minutes each day where you talk with God in an attitude of prayer. And I would even suggest don't talk. Listen. And just see what he might say. But this season of Lent gives us an opportunity to experience him differently. And I find it so interesting that in the lectionary, in this liturgical calendar that we follow here at Refuge, this week, the Old Testament reading of the day is in Genesis chapter 9. Most people don't go to Genesis 1 through 12. Uh, 1 through 11, I should say. Genesis 1 through 11, these are the stories that are bigger than life. These are the ones that start in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 where we're in the garden and God's creating things. He's putting the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and he's separating and he's making creation. And he puts Adam and Eve into this garden of Eden that we read about, that we know about, but we often don't go back and read those stories. Chapter 3, everything goes bad. If you remember how it all goes down, the serpent shows up, tempts them both. It's not just her fault. It's both of theirs' fault, right? So let's not just blame her. It's both of them because homeboy was behind the tree probably listening. Is she going to die? I don't know. Maybe I'll taste the fruit now. They get kicked out of the garden. And eventually, as the story progresses, we get to a time where the people are just not making a good showing of this thing called life. Have you ever, um, you ever started painting something? It's such a foreign concept to me because I don't paint. Like, I try, like watercolor, it's never been a good thing. Have you ever tried to draw something? Have you ever tried to write something? Have you ever tried to put something like on a social media post and you delete it? You're like, I just, ah, this is not good, right? You want to start over. We get a sense that when we get to the story of Noah and this ark, it's this moment where we're told that God kind of wants to start new and start fresh. And we hear the story of Noah so often from the vantage point of children. If you've had children, my guess is there's even the possibility that you had some decor in your house that resembled the story of Noah and the ark and all the animals. Because that's what we love to tell kids about is Noah and the ark and the animals. Let's not tell the kids about whatever else happens when all the people who aren't in the ark and things happen. You're like, I don't know if we can put that on the mural in the nursery. How do we do that? But we get to the story in Genesis chapter 9 after the floods have come. The destruction has come. And we get to this moment where God is making a commitment to Noah, his family, and to everybody who comes after. So let's jump in. Genesis chapter 9, all the way back at the beginning. Probably just in the first few pages of whatever Bible you have or whatever device you're reading from. And the storyline that we're reading today that we're going to parachute in on is verses 8 through 17. And this is how the story goes. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I established my covenant with you 
Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. And that's the story that we get today. It's at the end of the story. It's after the floods have come, after they finally get to that place where the waters have receded, and Noah has sent the bird out, and it has come back with the twig, and they figured out that it's safe to depart the ark. And they wondered, is it safe to get out there? I was away last weekend. I was so grateful to be able to watch online, like many of you who continue to do so, even from a distance. And I loved hearing what Joy Qualls gave to us in the form of the sermon last week. But I was away celebrating my sister-in-law's 40th birthday. There's a marquee year you don't want to let go, and she got a little getaway. We had this moment, and we were killing time. And my brother had the nerve to just say, hey, let's watch a movie. And we're like, yeah, we got some time to kill on this weekend, you know. We're old now, so movies, we shouldn't go out and, like, kill ourselves. Let's just go have a movie. And he's like, let's watch a movie. And he, he chose a movie that had, like, an end-of-earth life kind of moment. You're like, everyone's going to get destroyed because of this comet that's so quickly coming to Earth. And it wasn't one of those movies that made you feel good because things were happening that weren't great, right? Like, marriages were on the verge of, like, collapsing and kids were being stolen and death was happening all around you're like is this the feel-good movie of the year like what are we doing right now why can't we just have like a warm and fuzzy moment we're watching this and like the lead character finally gets his family away from the asteroids and like the uh, the uh, comets that are coming and they get to this place where they're underground in another country and they're safe and then we show this at the end of the movie give it away you're like oh what's gonna happen They come out after nine months underground because of all the destruction of these comets and things that have happened on Earth. And right now you're like, what movie is he talking about? I'm not going to tell you. You can IMDB that later, all right? Get to the end of the movie, and they come out of this moment where they've been in hiding. And literally, on the screen, there's like this bird that flies by. It's like death in the distance, but this bird. And I'm like, he just stole that from Genesis. He stole that from the ark story. We know what it's like to go into hiding and then to come out. And we get a little bit of taste right now in the world that we're living in that we can almost taste like we're reemerging from being cocooned and being sheltered and being forced inside. And we're like, what's it going to be like now? What are we going to do with life outside of this thing that we've hidden in for so long? And it's weird, and it's hard, and it's unsettled ground, and we're not sure. But when we look at this story, and we come to the end of the story where we read today, where Noah is having this conversation with God, where Noah is not talking, by the way, right? It's a good Lenten practice. When we pray, let's not talk, and let's just listen. 
And God has lots of things to say to his person Noah that he has trusted to build this ark. But the story of a flood is not unique to the Bible. And some of us were like, I don't know if I can take and trust the Bible. I don't know about those early stories. They do really seem bigger and larger than life. Can I really trust what's happening in here? But the flood story is not unique to just the Bible. It's actually a very common ancient Near Eastern story that is told. If you were to Google, some of you might even do this right now, the epic story of Gilgamesh, that is also a story that tells about a flood that comes. And there is stark moments of similarity that we can't miss. You're like, was the Bible just stealing what's happening out there in culture? Well, we already know because of where things happen. We get named certain rivers like the Tigris and the Euphrates in those early chapters of Genesis about what's happening, that we can pinpoint that the way that God is dealing with his people is probably in the area of Mesopotamia. And if, if I'm sounding like your world civilizations class, you're welcome, right? I love it. I love this kind of stuff. You, like, you peel back the, the layers of the onion of the Bible, and you're like, what's going on? This is amazing. And we know for a fact that the storyline connects with other stories that get told about floods, because there apparently was a flood, and everybody and their mother, you can quote me on that, everybody and their mother is trying to figure out, well, what do we do with this flood story? How do we make sense of it? And so everybody else, all these other cultures are saying, well, the gods must be crazy. The gods must be angry. We've got to pay God off. Something's going on. There's even this word that gets used in the Mesopotamian culture about how the big boat got made. And they use this thing called, like this, um, almost like a sealant when they use the wood. You can imagine what it would have been like to put an ark together, get all the wood, and you got to seal it because you don't want to have unsealed wood when you're out in water, right? Like, I mean, call your local Thompson guy and seal that wood, all right? The sealant that they used was actually a Mesopotamian word called kofer, K-O-F-E-R. And that's the exact word that gets used in the Bible in Genesis chapter 6 when Noah's building it and he's sealing it. That's not the word that traditionally gets used in Hebrew because the other story that gets told about someone sealing something is a story in Exodus where Moses' mom is trying to seal the little basket that he is going to be put in to be pushed into the water. When she is sealing it, she uses a different Hebrew word. She doesn't use kofer because kofer this is the only time it's used in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 6 with Noah doing this boat thing because he's almost telling a story that would have been known around the world because everybody had heard about the, the, the flood. It's like the big event. It's, it's, it's like the big event that everyone in our world is talking about, whether it's the winterization of Texas this past week, senators going to Cancun. Is that just me? Okay. The pandemic. We hear stories of pain and destruction and the hardness of life. Like These are the stories that all of us talk about. And you're like, well, how do I make sense of that? What am I supposed to do with that story that's developing? It's not all that uncommon to consider Noah in this moment. Because Noah is emerging from the ark with his family. And they've got all these animals. You can imagine what that would have looked like and meant. But what do you do with a story where God is ending the story and saying, here's the deal. I'm going to make a new promise. I'm going to promise something. We're going to go into a new covenant. And we hear covenant words these days. 
We hear contracts. We go into contracts, whether you're going to buy a building, you're going to lease a building, you're going to start a new job. You're going to go into some kind of a contract. Covenant seems a little bit more, there's a little bit more to it. The word that we use for covenant these days is this covenant called marriage, right? When people get married, they enter into a covenant. These mutual parties are going into something. What's different about the covenant that God just talked about in Genesis chapter 9 that we just read from is it's unilateral. It's one-sided. The only person on the hook in this covenant is God. Noah doesn't have to do a thing. And God's saying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my rainbow in the sky. And every time that I see it, every time that there are clouds, I will remember my covenant to you, Noah, and to all the creatures of the earth, and there will never come a flood again. Because that's the kind of God he is. You're like, I don't know if that's really good news. Really? Do you hear that? Listen for it. What kind of a God would promise I'm never going to do that again? I'm never going to send a flood that will destroy and kill things never going to do that and he keeps his word and he puts this image in the sky and if i may as i was studying this week and getting ready for this the idea of a a rainbow it's always been like ah it's like the lucky charms moment like i love it i love that cereal i love little leprechauns running around I love what it looks like when we have rainbows. We don't get them all that much out here in California because it doesn't rain all that much. We get hail and they destroy like awnings. But when the rain comes and you see the rainbow in the sky, you're like, that is amazing. How is it that when the light hits the water at just the right time, the prism effect, and you see all this glorious color, like, man, that's, that's simply awesome. But you take the shape of it, literally take the shape of it, And even the word, rainbow. First time you use the word bow, everybody would have known you're talking about an instrument of war. Because bows were used to kill things. You add that arrow to it, you're going to kill something. And God takes an imagery of war and makes it gloriously beautiful and faces it away from earth. Just put that in your mind real quick. Because as you pull on a bow, it's the arced point that that's what's facing towards the thing that you want to hit. But when we see the bow in the sky, the rainbow in the sky, it is facing away from the earth because God is making his commitment, I'm never going to do that again. You stand in awe of a God who says, my commitment to my people is they will flourish from this point on and I will be committed to them. My commitment will never end. I will never break this contract. I will never break this covenant. I am staying with you. That's the kind of God that Noah had. And interestingly enough, that's the kind of God that we still get to interact with today. It's the kind of God that says, I'm going to be committed to you no matter what. I am never going to leave you nor forsake you. Do those words ring a bell? It would have been... God's son who says things like that to his people later on. And we understand the storyline as it gets together. And we love the end of the story. We're like, ah, when Jesus makes sense of it all. But you're like, oh, no, no, no. If we look all the way back to the beginning, God has been faithful to his people. And he promises it. And he does it over and over and over again. So every time you see the rainbow, 
think about the promise that God has been making to his people forever. Which is really, it's really an expression of the good news that you and I need to hear in a world that seems to always be falling apart. They're like, man, can 2021, man, we haven't even like got going yet, and it seems to have shades of 2020. You're like, I don't know. What do I do? How do I act? How do I make sense of things around me? The only thing I get to make sense of is, is a faithful God who is good. And I want to tell that story. Because there are stories and there's moments and there's conversations that I'm in all the time with people who are trying to figure out God. And I'm like, let me tell you about the kind of God that I deal with. Not the kind of God that we've made images of or we've, we've kind of pretended this is what he's like or he's always angry at us or we've got to pay him off or we've got to sacrifice things. No, 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 no. The God that you and I have an opportunity to interact with and have a relationship with is a God who is faithful to his people and to his creation. That is Genesis 9. And I feel like that is a great way to start the season of Lent on Sundays. Is because as we walk through this season and we head towards Easter, where we will proclaim the death and resurrection of Jesus, but in this season of Lent, I want to see God differently. And I want my eyes to be open to a God who remains faithful to his people, that every time it rains, it's a sign of his faithfulness. Every time that there's a rainbow in the sky, I know he keeps his word because he has been doing it generation after generation after generation. And for you and for me, it means that we get to tell stories to the people outside. If they don't know about God yet, you get to say, let me tell you about the kind of God that I know. He's a God that keeps his promises. He's a God that always does what he says. He's the kind of God that is for me. He is not against me. That's really good news. So let's pray. Lord, I love these stories from the early parts of Scripture. You have set in place motion a storyline that just speaks of the evidence of who you are and how you are. And I pray, God, that for each of us, as we head into this Lenten season, as we lengthen our days and we see the creation and the glory around us as we head towards the springtime Easter moment that will happen weeks from now, that we don't miss who you are today and this week, that we see you for the God that you are as faithful and true and just, that there will be stories told about you outside of here and outside of our culture that proclaim you to be a certain way. But may we get a chance to set the record straight in the ways that we live for you. We live for you, a faithful and good God who, do, who does not leave your people hanging. May you continue to be faithful to each of us this week. May we see that faithfulness in action. For those who are hurting beyond desperation this week, may you meet them where they're at and remind them of who you are. For those who are carrying certain things into this coming week, I pray that they are reminded that you also have a desire to carry things for us and with us and alongside us. For those who are checking you out, may this be the kind of week that they are hit with a better image of who you are. And for each of us, as we take Genesis 9 with us, may it resound in our souls and our minds as a 
as a good reminder of your faithfulness to your people. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.